Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Pugar. And Kevin, it was a bloodbath in Piscataway, though it didn't really seem that way at the beginning. No, it didn't. It was a really shaky start. I think we mentioned in the, I mentioned in the podcast a preview of the game. I said they need to roll off the bus. And that's exactly what they did. They just kind of slumbered their way. The offense definitely slumbered their way through the first quarter. Um, field possession, field position was not great for Penn State, and the defense wasn't playing bad. The offense and special teams just wasn't putting the team in a position of success. Barney Amore's first three punts were 35, 25, and 29 yards. I mean, that was it was shaky to start. Yeah, but as as typical for Penn State, they come back and they handle their business soon thereafter. And the Penn State defense uh, in the first half won the football game. Uh, it wasn't until the second half that the offense really got st- pseudo started. Um, but I mean, this this Penn State defense was lights out. Um, and then Barney Moore came on, and I think a lot of that had to do with the conditions and stuff like that. But you know, Abdul Carter came out and he was a stud. Um, you welcome back Curtis Jacobs. That was a huge addition. So everything was trending the right way for the Nanny Lions. And and they put on a show. They lit up the scoreboard. Everybody, you know, everybody really handled their business. Uh, Sean Clifford was okay. He didn't light the world on fire, but man, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are fun to watch. Uh, Mitchell... Mitchell Tinsley had a, a solid game, um, but I thought a lot of it, you know, the co- it was very well coached uh, by Penn State, and you don't always say that. And of course, congratulations to James Franklin on win number a hundred. That is a huge accomplishment um, in the game of football and especially collegiately. But you know, they came out and it was a well coached team. Yeah, uh, Penn State made some mistakes early, but those weren't on the coaches. Uh, there are some play designs, and I knew you and I had been texting during the game that some of the formations were, were really nice. They opened up some things. So I think all in all, this is a, exactly what Penn state needed heading into the last week of the season. Yeah. I think that was the last three quarters of the game were exactly what they wanted just with the doctor order. I do have to question. So Penn state loses the toss Rutgers defers. So Penn state gets to choose which half of the field they want to defend and which way they want to go for offense. Right. The wind seemed to be going, uh, right to left on the TV and the sun was setting off to the right of the stadium. So the whole first quarter Penn state has bad field position and their first three drives, they went three and out, I believe on their first three drives, the quarterback staring, Sean Clifford staring right into the sun. The defense is staring right into the sun when they're defending in the same direction. I, I just don't, I, I, you know, the wind probably plays a factor in that, but I just kind of wonder you know, this team starts slow, and that certainly didn't help it. I mean, not trying to make excuses or anything, but if your team starts slow, why are you going to put a sun right, literally right in their face? Right. I mean, I mean, ultimately, it's either you're going to have to deal with it one way or another, uh, and then just hope that it hope that it goes down. I but, mean, it went down after the third drive, and then they clicked. I mean, sorry, not yeah, to interrupt right. you, but like, I just don't understand. Like, you know, the sun was setting, and it's it's probably going to be gone in 30 minutes. I don't understand why you put yourself on the back foot for 30 minutes because eventually I think I tweeted it out. Like eventually the sun was behind the stands and it was just, it was that's when they got down to business is when they weren't finding the sun, they weren't finding the wind in the second quarter. 
Right. And I mean, that's the, it's one of the things that you really probably don't think of um, until it actually happens. And you're like, Oh, well, and it could have been a, I, I wasn't in, I wasn't there. So that very well could have been a swirling win. So there's really anything could have happened there. But again, they got through that part of it. Trunk Clifford didn't look great early, but nobody for Penn state really did outside of the defense. But man, we talked about this at length last week. Manny Diaz has dialed up some pressure and hit has paid off. Now, at times, it did backfire, but really, them only finding the end zone one time, and that was really set up in large part, um, you know, due to some big plays. It was, and I think, I think Penn State they almost look shocked by the speed of Rutgers early. Um, they went to the crossing routes early and often. Uh, their touchdown ended up on the Kalen King. I mean, just a flat out drag route through the end zone. And he just, I don't know if he just got caught off guard. And I think I even said like, I mean, do they need to switch to zone defense here? And then no, they stayed in man. They kept this, they got it figured out, but I think they just kind of got a little shocked. I mean, it is Rutgers, but that Rutgers team looks speedy early. Yeah. And they looked really good early. They had it all together and then they didn't, they got the first penalty. And then that's kind of when things started to unravel for the most penalized team in the Big Ten, and or one of the most penalized teams in the Big Ten. And Shiano was on the refs, and that's kind of where they started to falter, and that's where Penn State really picked it up. Now, getting that score before the half, I thought, was huge for Penn State. Um, but, you know, at one point in the game, they had more defensive touchdowns, or as many defensive touchdowns as they had first downs, uh, which was huge. But when we come back from this quick break we're going to talk a lot more about this game and kind of you know look ahead to the battle for the land grant trophy on the nifty sports now network network he's kevin i'm jared kevin this defense is as advertised they held Rutgers to 10 points uh they even got in on the scoring column quite a bit and they could have had more uh you gotta like where penn state's defense is heading heading into the last week of the season i really do and i think at the end of the season manny diaz is probably gonna have a lot of interviews a lot of job offers i think he just like loops uh cream by wu-tang clang by Wu-Tang Clan and just shows all the defensive highlights to the board of trustees and to the football staff and say, yeah, this pay me a lot of money and I'll stay here. And I'm hoping that that's a deal that they can work out because the talent level on this, I think they said in the broadcast that he watched three plays of Abdul Carter's high school tape. It was like, yep, that's my guy. Like the talent level on this defense is insane. And his scheme fits. They're long, they're fast, they're strong. They tackle well. They, I mean, they follow the ball well. They're disciplined. Like, we need to pay that man his money and keep him there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta back you have to the checkbook for him, um, whether he wants to be head coach or not. Now, we like I've, like we've also said before, that what happened at the U was not his fault, um, as we're seeing play out before our very eyes here. But you know, thankfully, James Franklin lured him to a northern city. He's a Miami guy. 
And here they are. The Penn State's in great shape defensively. And and this is kind of one of the things that, you know, when guys like Ricky Ronnie leave or Joe Moorhead leave, you're like, what's this going to be like? Um, do they miss a beat? Do you miss them? I think right now you're saying Brent Pry who? And Brent Pry has himself his hands full at Virginia Tech and God God bless him and everything they you know that their program is because Brian Fuentes or Justin Fuentes, I should say, um just destroyed that program from the inside out. But I think it's making it very easy to say mm, Brent Pry who for for this defensive group and and that's not saying that Brent Pry was wasn't bad by any means. They they were very good under Brent Pry, but this defense is something else under Manny Diaz. It really is. And uh, I saw a stat. This is Penn State's first three non-offensive touchdown games since 1998 versus Bowling Green. Arguably, they should have three. They should have had three defensive touchdowns. Uh, the Johnny Dixon pick six should have been a pick six. The crackback block silly play i believe i forget who it was uh was it it was uh izzard uh kasai izzard and it was just like man that's oh i just i feel bad for the defense i mean the offense clicked after that they put it in but man can you imagine three defensive touchdowns and a kickoff return for a touchdown in the game which you win 55 to 10 like at that point the other the other units are outscoring the offense in a game like that which is crazy to think of yeah, right. And that's what's crazy about this team is like this defense kept them in the game, not just kept them in the game, but was winning the game for them until the offense really picked it up. Now, again, this is Rutgers. They are struggling for bull. They won't be bull eligible now with their seventh loss. So, yeah. Is it an inferior opponent? Absolutely. But at the same time, they're handling their business and they're handling it the way it needs to be handled. So that is what I think has been the most impressive. And they are scoring in droves, both offensively, defensively. Nick Singleton ran 100 yards uh, into the end zone on a kickoff return. First time since Saquon Barkley did that just a few years ago. Or I'm sorry, not Nick Saquon Barkley, but um, Lamont Wade did that um, a couple years ago. So they are scoring in all three facets. And they're playing super complimentary football, which is allowing the offense to kind of spit and sputter to start as they feel themselves out. But the biggest thing is they're making those adjustments and it is paying off huge down the line. Yeah. And just, just to go back to just like the total domination uh, early in the broadcast, they said Rutgers punter um, Corsac needed 10 punts for 187 yards to meet the all time NCAA records. And you're like, well, he's definitely going to punt 187 yards today, but can Penn State force 10 punts today? And they did. They forced 12. But so like help and set a record. Um, and then. Crap, I forgot where I was going with that. Well, that's all right. You're talking about punting, Kevin. And, and so this is, I think, it's kind of a weird segue, right? Punting was the name of the game early. Um, Barney Moore was terrible. And then they subbed him out and it's fourth and five. And Penn State draws Rutgers offsides. And this is where Rutgers really fell apart. Now, if you're watching the replay, the Penn State punter, the backup punter, didn't even get to punt the ball. He just dropped it, just straight dropped it. But they called offsides, first down, and it's a game-changing situation. Barney Moore then comes on to punt later. Uh, and it was the wake-up call, I guess, that he must have needed. And it was game over from there. 
But being the all-time career yardage leader in punting is a weird statistic because that means that your offense is absolutely terrible. It is. And that leads me to the point where I was going to go is that this Rutgers team is a yes, but team. Wimsett, yes, he can play. He's a good quarterback. But he is terribly inaccurate. I think they said in the broadcast he's the fourth worst completion percentage in the NCAA. Uh, total for the season, he's at 48.5%. He was 34, 35% completion rate today. Like mm-hmm. this team, everything has to go well for them. Um, Crookshank had himself an absolute game. I had his name written down, failed to mention him in the preview podcast. But like this team, that Rutgers team, yeah, it is an inferior opponent. But they have those flashes where they can play people competitive. And it looked like that was going to be another one of these games for Penn State. Uh, or it was going to be another one of those games for Rutgers where they were just going to play a really dominant opponent really competitively. And it just didn't happen that way. Because like you said, if the drop snap by Bichetta actually becomes a Rutgers turnover, that ball's on like the 15-yard line or something deep in a Penn State territory. I forget what the score was at that time. Maybe I think it might have been the 14 10 at that point in time. And then, like, Rutgers has a chance to go up 17 to 14 instead of Penn State eventually getting to the half at 28 to 10. Yeah. And that's, and that's football, right? So many things can change. So many things can just kind of go astray. And that game early on was super weird because, you know, you tune in and Rutgers goes down and scores and it's three nothing early, right? Then Penn State houses the kick. Well, then Rucker, and this is this is just kind of speeding through it. Then Rutgers on the ensuing kickoff almost houses it. And, you know, those big play that, that big playability sets up for that. And, you know, then next thing you know, Penn State uh, fumble return for a touchdown and then it's game over. And and that's and that was all the Rutgers scoring. I mean, if you tuned in as a Rutgers fan after the first quarter, you you didn't miss a lot of the Penn State lighting up the scoreboard because then they went like Penn State scored twice in the second quarter. So it was 28 10 going into the half. Um, then they got 20. They got 20 in the third quarter and then another touchdown in the fourth. And, you know, it, it could have gone a different way. I don't think that it would have uh, ultimately. But again, that's it's, it's such a football thing, but that's the beauty of this Penn State team. But nobody gives them any credit for being nine and two because they lost to Ohio State and got thumped by Michigan. And I, I truly believe they play Michigan now. It's a completely different game. I, I, I mean, if, if some certain things go their way, this is a Penn State team that could be a ten and two, ten and one, uh, going into battle for the prestigious Land Grant Trophy. Um, and, and Kevin, please make sure that you say, and every time that you mention the land grant trophy, that's prestigious, uh, because it is, um, so that this is a Penn state team that isn't getting a lot of credit in my opinion, when they are dominant, they are dominating the teams that they should be dominating. Now, of course you want those two games back, but at the same time, they're, they're very rarely giving up any more than 10 points a game. And that's impressive. Uh, for a Big Ten team and for a Penn State team not known for for its brand of defense this year. Yeah, and the defense is just that much next level this year. We talked in the pre, in the pregame, Kyle Manungai had 162 yards rushing versus Michigan State. Looked like a bone of, like, apparently that was his coming out party, but he backed it up with a nine-carry, nine-yard game, and they gave up 32 yards on the ground. 
And this is a team, I mean, Rutgers, Rutgers rushing offense and Michigan's rushing offense are two completely different things. But to go from giving up 429, 27 yards, whatever it was, to then giving up 32 this week and what they give up last week, uh, 20 yards in the first half. So, I mean, not a lot. Right. So like, they're dominating there. They're dominating up front. And and listen, they, that defense got better because Curtis, Jokes, Curtis Jacobs is back. And he was impressive Saturday. He was in the backfield quite a bit, had a couple tackles for loss. Abdul Carter showed that he is a stud. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's Penn State right now. And that's a great situation to be in, you know, as they get ready for their for the next two games of the season with the bowl game uh, in the month of December or January and then next week against Michigan State. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how – you know, next week goes because this week showed, you know, looking around the Big Ten, Ohio State struggled against Illinois or um, against Maryland for the most part, and Michigan struggled against Illinois, winning only on last second field goals. And you know, it, Ohio State obviously overcame a little bit more and beat Maryland by thirteen, but it's easy to overlook your opponent when you have a big game ahead of you and that's that I think that's exactly what happened with Ohio State Michigan just do enough to win you're not going to get punished too much um but you know Penn State they got to play a Michigan State team <laughs> that Mel Tucker's Mel Tucker's contract makes James Franklin's look like a, a bargain at this point um but they they're fighting for bowl eligibility so they they should they should come into Beaver Stadium ready to play. I'm not saying that they will, but Penn State, just take care of business. That's all. That's all you got to do. And if Penn State's ever, ever able to do that, life's good for the Navy Lions as they head into the bowl season. Yeah, I think I think it's time for us to do our business and cut over to the third segment. How about you? Kevin, I like that. So we'll catch you on the flip side for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Indy Sports Now. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Indie Sports Now Network. Kevin, one of the things that we failed to to note in the first two segments, because to me, it's it is a story, but it's not because it won't be a big story until Tuesday again. But Parker Washington did not play on Saturday. He was listed as out, did not make the trip that I'm aware of. There were rumors circulating on the internet and the Twitter sphere that he is out for the season. Franklin did not did not acknowledge that, that he would be out for the season in his post-game press conference, but did mention that he was going to get with Parker Washington and talk about making sure they were on the same page. Now, earlier in the week, mentioned about Joe, uh, Joey Porter Jr.'s appendectomy. Joey Porter Jr. should be at least, if he's not, I think he'll play on senior day, but he'll definitely be back, hopefully, for the bowl game. If they're playing in a New Year's Six game, I would expect a lot of these guys to not opt out. This won't be the Outback Bowl of last year, but definitely something to think about um, moving forward. But the, the rumor is that Parker Washington suffered a season-ending injury. He was not at the open media portion of practice this week. If he is out, Penn State made it seem like they would be okay without him. Yeah, I think so. 
if you looked at the receiving core, I think there's 17 on the roster. I looked it up on whenever the rumors started circulating. And if you look today, there was 10 receivers today that caught a ball. The tight end group is four deep. It seems like um, Dickens is coming on. He's a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. Uh, you have three NFL caliber tight ends in Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, Tyler Warren. Mitchell Tensley is still a dude. He's a grad. I mean, he's experienced. This is what, his fifth year in college football. Harrison Wallace is coming on. He's going to be a stud. Andre Lambert-Smith, he's speedy. He's going to do some things. Omari Evans looked good in his limited roles. I'm And, of course, how could you forget about Liam Clifford? Parker Washington is a big loss, and this team is next man up, but it's not the Penn State of a couple of years ago, right? This Penn State team is a lot deeper than it was last year, two years ago. Parker Washington is a big loss, but I think his production can be supplemented. Yeah, and I think the beauty of the way that this is made up this year with Penn State and their depth is Mitchell Tinsley was the number one receiver at Western Kentucky. So he knows what it's like to have all eyes on him. Um, the biggest thing is Clifford's just got to hit his players accurately, which is something that he has struggled with. I've never seen him really lead a receiver. Um, and he set uh, Katron Allen up to get thumped down in the red zone uh, on a terrible pass. Um or late in the game, late in his game, I guess I should say. But, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be all right. They only, you know, they didn't – Penn State didn't need to pass the ball a whole awful lot, um, you know, throughout the throughout the course of the game. He was 17-26 to 26 for 157 yards and a touchdown. He also got in on it uh, rushing the football, which is where his presence was really felt. Um, and then Drew Aller came in and was 5 of 10 for 42 yards. And, you know – that that's competent too, but you saw this is something that we didn't talk about either. Drew Aller was impressive with his legs today. Uh, and that's not something that we're, that we're super expecting him to be, but he can run and he's a physical runner when he's going downhill. So I'm excited to see that. But again, this is a deep Penn state offense, both at the running back position because guess what? Keishon Allen and Nick Singleton had big days, you know, Singleton had uh, 62 yards. Catron Allen went 100, 100 plus again, 117 um, and a touchdown. And that's without Kimon Lee, who is out again with an injury. But it seems like he's on a, He's making the making steps to, to return here pretty soon. But again, this is a deep offense and this is a deep defense, too. And they finally have that quality depth. And I'm I'm very, very excited to, to see how the rest of the year plays out. Yeah. And you speak about depth on the defensive side. I think I counted a little bit earlier. There were 10 defenders with a tackle for loss today. There was only, there was 15 tackle for losses overall in the game by Penn state, 10 players had them. So, I mean, it's not like one or two game records like this team. You're not going to wear them down because they're just going to keep rotating defensive linemen. They're going to keep rotating linebackers. Um, I think Marquise Wilson was uh, pivotal on the DeLuca fumble. Mm-hmm. Those are both two names that we really didn't pay attention to coming into this season. Wilson Brown. Yeah. Was good today. Or was a good Saturday, I should say. And then um, Kevin Johnson, I believe is, is Johnson, Kevin Johnson, freshman safety. So, I mean, he had a big play late. Like Johnny Dixon played very well in place of Joey Porter Jr. Yes. So, I mean, these guys are doing, and I think that's the biggest thing, right? 
we're not mentioning their names. It's not that they're not doing anything, but everybody's doing their jobs. Um, so for Penn State, but Kevin, I, I'm sick and tired of talking about Penn State because this is the third and final segment that we usually have is my favorite because it's essentially a free for all for us. And we've mentioned chaos, absolute chaos, but it, it, it is chaotic so far. Now we're recording this sun, Saturday night. Um, it's about nine o'clock, so a lot of things can still happen. But as we are recording this, Tennessee is down eleven to South Carolina. If that happens, I think they fall out of the Big Ten or out of the top ten. Of course, they fall out of the Big Ten. They're not part of the Big Ten. Ole Miss is down fifteen to Arkansas. They're fourteen. They're a team that you gotta gotta worry about for Penn State. Oklahoma is taking care of business against OK State. Um, UCLA is up fourteen nothing over USC, and. LSU and Alabama Birmingham are playing. <laughs> and that game just kicked off. Um if if, if Alabama Birmingham beats you at LSU, um, I will have no words, but I will love every minute of it because I do not like Brian Kelly. Um, so there's that. But you know, looking at some other scores, uh, we mentioned Ohio State struggling with Maryland. We mentioned Michigan struggling with Illinois, TCU. Struggled with Baylor overcoming them with a last-second field goal, similar to to what Michigan had. Uh, Navy beat UCF, and why that matters is that that is who the best team out of the group of five conferences is going to play in the Cotton Bowl. Penn State played Memphis in that a couple of years ago. Penn State is could be eligible to play in the Cotton Bowl this year, depending on how the rest of the world shakes up. But that kind of hurts the AAC as far as what's next right of, of who they're going to send there um then austin uh, alabama you know really handled austin p uh florida state handled louisiana lafayette kansas state handled west virginia which is you know poor neil brown down there but oregon state handled business notre dame handled business against boston college notre dame's a team that's gonna it's really come on strong Lately, and I don't like saying that because I don't really like Notre Dame, but what they're doing has been impressive. They they rode the wave of the Clemson victory. Um, so Notre Dame could see themselves in a really top premier bowl game based on their brand and based on really how they're playing right now. They've they've really started to to hit their stride. Georgia only scores 16 points against Kentucky and Will Levis, 16 to 6. Um, Clemson beat Miami by 30. And NC State lost to Louisville. And then Cincinnati took care of business against Temple. This is one to to really worry about. Uh, we talked about North Carolina on the preview podcast. Well, North Carolina got beat by Georgia Tech. Um, and then the Pac-12 after dark really hasn't gotten started uh, with Colorado and Washington and then Utah and Oregon. So there's a lot that can happen for Penn State. They could easily see themselves within the top 10 after this week. It's sitting at 11. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think so. And Jared, you forgot the most important game from this weekend. Vanderbilt beat Florida. Two big wins in a row. And I don't know if you saw, uh, there's a great meme rolling around Twitter today. Uh, it said, uh, hey, Floridians, in case you made the trip to Nashville, here's the quickest way home. And it just had a massive L uh, <laughs> on the map between Vanderbilt and Florida, you know, insinuating both uh academics and just a massive L at their football program. So yeah, it's got to be concerning um, for Penn state's bowl placing because the top 10 looks like it's going to get shaken up. 
Um, Michigan lost Blake Corum today, potentially. I I didn't see the injury. I heard about it. Twitter was in a firestorm about it. Uh, it looked like a knee injury, and it looked like he got one carry in the second half. But, yeah, that is that is definitely worrisome heading into Ohio State week for them. But it's Penn State is in a very peculiar spot. They are going to be the second best Big Ten team that doesn't make the playoff, but they're going to be a team that's good enough the way it stands to to benefit from that because you know you look at you look at the bowl games and I'm going to pull them up here you know um I have my bowl preview um on nittanysportsnow.com and you know got to love that I'm very excited to to look at the bowl projections for this week because I think they're going to be crazy um depending on how the how this kind of plays out but, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much that can happen, and that's both really a blessing um, and and a curse, uh, because as we look at it, da, 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 um, I think I think we can rule out Penn State going to the Rose Bowl after today. Yes, I I think I think we are looking at Orange Bowl, best case scenario, Orange Bowl. I think it's going to be the Orange Bowl or potentially. Um, the Cotton Bowl, and that's that's going to be against probably Tulane, who just handled business on Thursday night against SMU. Right. So there's so much that can happen. Um, and looking at some of the bowls that the Big Ten is eligible for, like this, the national championship, no, right? I think that's still going to be Ohio State and Georgia. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, not so much. That's the semifinal. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Michigan. Um, and I think that's the tough part because really when you look at the top 25, you would expect Tennessee to be up there. But if Tennessee loses to South Carolina, they don't have a signature win really. They, they beat Alabama, right? And their best road win is against Pitt for the most part. Um, so that, that's an issue. Um, you know, and that's kind of the downfall of, you know, looking at Tennessee's schedule, right? So they beat Pitt at Pitt. They've beat Ball State, Pitt, Akron. Akron is ass. Uh, sorry, Joe Moorhead. They beat a, a Florida team that I think was overranked. They beat LSU that now has turned it turned the corner. They beat Alabama, and they just beat Kentucky. They, uh, you know, uh, or they beat Kentucky, and then they beat um, – and then they got beat by by Georgia. They handled business against Missouri, and now they're down to Tennessee. They have Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt finally won an SEC game Saturday, so things are crazy. But but yeah, so looking at looking at these bull projections, I would expect Michigan to end up or the loser of that game, if it's not close, if it isn't close, to go to the Rose Bowl. But the worry for everybody, I think, has to be where where some of these teams look. So TCU would stand to move up, but LSU, it, it is ultimately it then comes down to the the SEC championship game with Georgia and and most likely LSU. You've got a you got an Alabama lurking. You've got a Clemson lurking because uh, Clemson's going to be an ACC. They're either them or. North Carolina are going to be in an ACC championship game uh, winner, but 
Carolina just lost. So they're going to be nine and two. Um, this this might be the first year there's a two loss team in the final four. Michigan's going to have one, but I don't know if if Corum's out. I don't think that game's going to be close. Although Ohio State yeah. doesn't look stellar because they've lost Travion Henderson, but right. who's who else is coming? Tennessee is one loss potentially. It could be two. They LSU could would two. be two. LSU's um, two. U- unless USC. they get beaten by Georgia, which is possible. Um, because right now Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU are all undefeated. Well, that changes next week, no matter what. Alabama's eight and two. USC could be nine and two heading into next week. Um, you know, there's just so much that's I think is is crazy right now. You got Utah still in there, and then Penn State's hanging out at eleven. Well, Penn State's in a great situation because they don't have to play. I mean, they they're playing Michigan State, so that's going to be a tough game, but they don't play a conference championship. So they're not going to be rewarded for losing or for not playing. Um, so Penn state could very well be in that upper echelon where they're between five and eight by the end of the season. And, you know, another win like today or like Saturday and okay, well, like then you're talking cotton bowl or orange bowl. So, I, I, I think they're going to end up in a New Year's Six game and a New Year's Six Bowl and and deservedly so. But there's so much that can happen between now and next week and then the next week after that for conference championship week. So it's gonna this is gonna be wild. And this is where, you know, this is a year where college football playoff being at 12 teams would be an insane situation. But, you know. Like we said before, we said this last week on the preview. Penn State is in a great spot because they're going to end up in a New Year's Six game, and in my opinion, I and I think they should. But they're either going to be playing a team like Clemson in the Orange Bowl, which is going to be good for them because, hey, we stack up against Clemson, or they can play in North Carolina that I think they match up well against. Or they can go to the Cotton Bowl and play again against a team in the group of five and maybe beat up on them, and, and maybe not, but whatever. But this has the opportunity for them to really, really do some damage and go into the offseason on a high note like they did going into the 2020 season. And and hopefully that momentum with the running backs coming back, with most of the receiving core coming back and the tight end core coming back to get into the 2023 season and really, really go on a run. Yeah, I think no matter who they play, it's going to be New Year's Six and – I really don't see the Cotton Bowl. I, like, excuse me. I don't. Not that I don't see the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl is the last one I want to go to. It's probably going to be against the Tulane or UCF, something like that. And like, senior availability. Who's is Joey Porter Jr. going to come back from an appendectomy to go play against Tulane? No, he's going to be signing a check with his agent and going to the draft. So, I really want to go to Orange Bowl, um, Citrus Bowl, something like that, and let's get a bona fide program. This is the this is the year to play a bona fide program because if they're not in the playoffs, it looks like they're they're gettable. Yeah, and it's gonna be interesting. And like I said, I, I much prefer the Orange Bowl because I want to go to Miami between New Year's and uh Christmas. So that'll be my my idea of it. But I, I, I want Penn State to play a team like Alabama, like Alabama or Clemson. See where they're at, get that barometer, and then go from there. But there's so much that can happen. And it's going to be so much fun to watch. 
because, I mean, you look at it, Penn State's got two top five losses to Michigan and Ohio State. Nobody has that, really. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And that, and this is all kind of – it kind of depends on what happens today. So, I mean, there's just so much that can – that is potential that can that can happen. It's going to be a wild ride. And I, I'm not 100% sure what time Penn State plays next week yet. I think it's at 3.30. Um, or it has it's been flexed, so they haven't announced it yet. But it's definitely not going to be at noon. That's um, and it's definitely not going to be the big big noon game. That's Michigan. That's Michigan and Ohio State. So I think that's the thing that you get to watch for next week is you got rivalry weekend, right? You got um, a, this is a big game for the AAC. You got Tulane and Cincinnati. Big game for the ACC, NC State, and North Carolina. UCLA has Cal, Florida, Florida State. Um, Florida State could backdoor themselves into a, a into a top tier bowl after, you know, being, like beginning the season not on great terms. Uh, but you got Penn State, Michigan State for the prestigious Land Grant Trophy, Auburn, Alabama, Utah, Colorado, which is a game. Now I don't think that Utah's going to have any issue with Colorado, but you've got or- Oregon State, Oregon. That's a top twenty five matchup. You've got Kansas and Kansas State. But you have to kind of watch Kansas State because of where they're at. They're fifteenth. Um, Washington, Washington State. You know, Georgia has Georgia Tech. It's going to be a big deal. Um, Clemson has South Carolina. South Carolina's proven they can play Tennessee. T- or um, let's say, yeah, Tennessee tough. Um, you know, Iowa State, TCU. I don't think that's an issue. It's LSU and the LOL that is um, AM. and then Notre Dame plays USC. So there's still so much more that can happen. And there's possible Notre Dame cracks the top 15, top, top 12 too. So that, that could ultimately be an option for Penn state as well um, in the orange bowl, depending on what happens with, you know, things in the ACC because Clemson, if they handle business, (laughs) they could backdoor themselves into the, um, into the college football playoff, depending on what happens ahead of them. So there's so much that can happen. There's so much that's at stake, both the rest of this weekend, um, and next, and I'm here for it. I love this time of year. It's going to be great. Yep. Buckle up. College yeah. football is about to get weird, and this is what I love about it. That's right. And we're going to come at, back at you here uh, on Friday with our preview podcast for Penn State and Michigan State. But until then, for Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Frugar on the Lashing Out Podcast and Indie Sports Now Network. We encourage you to eat all the food that you want this week. Watch as much football as you can and enjoy the ride because it's going to be a roller coaster of emotions, even if your team isn't playing and even if it doesn't impact your team. Sorry, West Virginia fans that are watching, listening. But most of all, enjoy the time around your family, your friends. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the football. And live it up because it's going to be a lot of fun. And Kevin and I are here for it. So until next week, this has been Kevin and Jared on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Esports Now Network. We'll talk to you again soon.